You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 111 and 112 of our Read Through the Bible in a Year program. Mm -hmm. And we're focusing on the oral transmission. I was trying to think of a yeah, I was trying to think of a new way to say it, but it's the oral tradition. We're passing it through uh, the words, the reading, and through the speaking. This is how God's done it through the ages for His people. So yes. we're glad you're with us today. And oh. today we're doing we're finishing our another book, we're finishing Deuteronomy. We're going to do chapters 33 and 34, and the first two chapters of Joshua. think it should become our tradition we're finishing another book which is a big deal which is a big deal but we haven't finished it yet so chapter 33 what do we got all right so moses moses is basically giving his final words Mm -hmm. this is a very similar scene and setup to jacob's final words over his boys and kind of saying what the they'll be like in the future and now Moses is doing a very similar thing and blessing the tribes of Israel before he uh, dies. You're right. That is a theme. Did Jesus, he never did this over his disciples, did he? No. We didn't have a moment where he, there's a difference. Yeah. So these I mean, tribes, yeah. yeah, something different is happening. But in fact, I'd, I'd say all the disciples now are under one tribal leader right i mean i would say the great commission would probably be oh nice okay jesus's parting words so out of uh this is a pretty lengthy it's a pretty lengthy chapter 29 verses where he's blessing and kind of warning uh each tribe yeah anything uh, jump out to you yeah so there is like a mix within this of like blesses and curses like uh within reuben it's just let reuben live and not die but let his men be few yeah uh because, again, there's been just constant rebellion within that tribe, and they're still kind of acting like the original Reuben. So they're still under the consequences of that original Reuben. And then Judah, it's pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. the voice of Judah, hear, Lord, and bring him into his people. With your hands, contend for him and be a help against his adversaries. Yeah. So Judah is definitely kind of moved into the firstborn status. It. He's definitely moved into a favored status, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think they're the largest tribe at this point. Yeah. Uh, he leaves out Simeon, the tribe of Simeon. Because, um, again, the whole idea is he's blessing them and kind of telling their future over the land that they would get. And Jacob's thing over Simeon and Levi was that they would not inherit any land in Canaan. Mm. And so he leaves Simeon oh, out. you're right. And Simeon, so Simeon does not get a blessing for the land, but they do, and they end up, because they're the smallest tribe at this point, and they end up uh, sharing a portion with Judah. So Judah just has so much land, they kind of give Simeon a little piece of their land in the middle of Judah. So Judah becomes, um, is they become, like when the kingdom eventually splits. Yeah, they're the southern. They're the southern. They're called Israel. Judah. They're called Judah. Judah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Judah and Israel is the north. Mm-hmm. So Judah, though, is really the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Levi and Simeon. And Benjamin. And Benjamin. Okay. 
So anyway, that's future yeah. stuff. And then, uh, <laughs> then Levi, again, he's kind of reiterating, like, they are the servants of God. They handle the things of God. They protect the things of God. God has blessed them. He has swapped out their curse that they were originally mm-hmm. under with Simeon, and now it is a blessing. Yeah. And even though they won't inherit their own land, they will have land among all the tribes. Um, cool. Benjamin's interesting because I think this is where uh, he, uh, the beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulders. Uh, the temple is eventually built in the land of Benjamin. Uh, okay. Jerusalem is in the land of Benjamin. And it's so the idea that God sits and dwells among Benjamin's shoulders in the mountains of Benjamin, which is kind of a cool idea. Nice. Uh, Joseph, the tribe of Joseph, so it's Manasseh and Ephraim squashed together. They are actually, Ephraim has the rights of the firstborn, so they have a nice solid blessing right here. Um, Zebulon and Issachar, again, it's reaffirming that Zebulon's going to be uh, seafaring uh, people, and Issachar is going to be kind of a desert uh, wandering people mm-hmm. um, and like hard workers. Gad is protecting the north or the northern thing. Anyways, they're like on the edge, and they're constantly going to be at war and protecting the outskirts of Israel. Uh, All right. Yeah. Anyways, it's just kind yeah. of a cool. What I think is cool is uh, like identifying and blessing these people. Yeah, and it matters. So like, mm-hmm. you come from a line, a tribe, and for good or for bad, it it does play a role in who you're becoming, mm-hmm. what you're doing, and you either break out of curses by obeying God's word or you walk into blessings by obeying God's word. Yes. And I think God, that's really, God has that for us. Yeah. Even in our own lives. And then chapter 34, Moses finally dies. Yeah. At 120 years old, he dies and it says his eyes were undimmed and vigor unabated. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like he could have lived more. He still had life in him, but it was time to go into the land of promise and he had broken faith with God that that one time and can't go in, the consequences still stand. And so Moses then is buried. And to me, the most unique thing is that he dies and he's buried, but they don't know where. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it suggests that the people of Israel, if they had known where, they would have made it a worship site. They would have used his yes. bones. They would have turned it into something, kind of like the bronze serpent they turned into... Mm-hmm. Uh, something to worship instead of something to remember God. <clears throat> and so I think by God's grace, it's like, we're not going to tell you where Moses' bones are mm-hmm. or where he's buried. Right. And so he goes up, um, what was the mountain? Was he up on a mountain to look at? He got to look at Mount everything. Nebo, yeah. So Nebo, that's he, right. It was very similar to Aaron's death where he goes up to a mountain, but he actually gets to see uh, the promised land and then God takes him. Yeah, so Moses' work is done. He is the only real prophet who talked to God face-to-face. He told everybody what God said to him, mm-hmm. which it transitions into the book of Joshua. So like the big thing in the transition is in um, Deuteronomy and throughout the Pentateuch, so Moses gives the law because God is talking to Moses. Mm-hmm. Now Moses is dead, and it's going to tr- transition from oral communication with God to written 
like the words of the book. Right. So Joshua's going to now start this whole trajectory of we obey the word, the things that were written right. down uh, by, from God. God still interacts in relationship, but it's primarily committed to the word of God now. It's been made known mm-hmm. through Moses. So Moses did what he's supposed to do, and we finished the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah. I mean, the Pentateuch. That is uh, quite an accomplishment. If you've listened, we want to say, good job. Good job. Good job. You did it. And uh, the first five books of the Bible, done. And, you know, some some groups, you know, when we get to Jesus' time, I think it was some of the Samaritans and... Um, Maybe the Sadducees. Sadducees, yeah. They only used the yep. first five because this is where God spoke. And the rest of it, as we move in now, we're going into what's known as the histories. Mm-hmm. And it's telling the consequences, really, of um, obeying or disobeying God. Yeah. So we finished Deuteronomy. The Pentateuch is behind us now. Let's move into the histories, beginning with Joshua. So we actually start out, and Joshua does have a moment where God speaks to him directly. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure this is like the only time. And it's just to commission Joshua and be like, <clears throat> I am with you. My presence is with you. Uh, and you are going to go into the land and take it. I saw it five or six times between the end of Deuteronomy and the beginning of Joshua. It's be strong, strong and, and courageous. And very courageous. At least it was three times in today's reading. Moses tells him. At least two or three times. God tells him. Yeah. And then the people... That's what it was. They say, we... Reuben and all yeah. those guys, they say, you know what? Oh, yeah, that's right. So in, so what's happening is is the transition to Joshua is going to take a lot of faith for the people. Yeah. But remember, Joshua was one of the two spies that originally said the land is good. And Joshua has been there through all the 40 years. He's one of the only... It was he, Moses, and Caleb. Yeah. And, um, and now it's just him and Caleb. Mm-hmm. And so God is validating and kind of, um, this is what God does with leaders even today. He, he sets up the, the people who have watched a person before they go into ministry. They testify this person can be trusted with the word of God by their way of life, what they believe and what they say. And so it, it's validated. And so God's using the people. He's using his word. He's using Moses, the testimony, to say, Joshua's my man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I just love the verses, though. It, I think it translates today. That when God, you feel like God's calling you into something. And you feel that way because it's not breaking his word. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what God comes in the through the work of Jesus, too, is to say, hey, be strong and courageous. This is going to take some faith. Enter into the land. And in fact, Joshua's name, you know, I think we all learn this through the Passion, when they, the movie, The Passion mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And so Joshua is... The name Jesus. Yes. Salvation. Yeah. Uh, the Lord Je- is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. That's Jehoshua. Je- jo- Joshua. Yeah. Jehoshua. So, That's so, the, uh, what Moses called Jehoshua, which is the salvation is the Lord's or something. Yeah. And then just Hoshea, Hoshea is yeah. salvation. So Jesus and Joshua, I think we can look at uh, Joshua and see like a precursor to the idea of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Because he starts off under the law of Moses mm-hmm. and its curses, but is going to cross over the Jordan. And I realized today, reading, Joshua's going to be going over the Jordan. Yeah. And Jesus' ministry started at being baptized in the Jordan. Yeah. The marker of walking in the promised land. I don't know why. It's yeah. never meant so much to me. I never, 
caught it until reading it today. And so I was like, of course Jesus what? gets baptized in the Jordan. <laughs> That's where it starts. And uh-huh. so uh, Yeshua is going to lead us into the promised land. But you got to be strong, courageous, because just like for them, the Canaanites, and I read uh, too, I was reading some notes, that Joshua only covers like the first seven years. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take 400 years before they fully have their kingdom under David. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so long. Yeah. I didn't realize. Uh, so like Judges yeah. covers like 300 to 400 years of right. history, which it's, is crazy. It is crazy. So really what we're about to read is the first seven years. And then I realized how it, how similar it is to our experience mm-hmm. as Christians. So here's their experience. You're going to be given the land. Now you're going to trust me and slowly take it, slowly take it, little battle by battle, trust mm-hmm. me. Jesus says you're saved, but now by faith you're going to slowly battle by battle, walk into your inheritance, which mm-hmm. is not only uh, a resurrection one day, but the fruits of the Spirit and life abundant now. Right. But it's going to take some time. Like it's very, it's all so connected beautifully. So anyway, the first two chapters of Joshua go i'll be with you be strong and courageous obey the lord and it'll go good with you and you'll have success meditate on this don't lose it don't forget it um and you'll get it yeah so then joshua makes sure that uh reuben gad and manasseh are going to keep their deal that they made with moses right that they're going to send their special elite forces with them to take the land and you're not going to get lazy and they're like no we're in we're good and again, they repeat, we're going to be very strong and courageous, just like you. Because this would have been the time for Reuben to go, now's my chance, Moses is gone. Yeah. But they, they've learned their lesson. They follow through, at least for now. And then uh, Joshua. You know what was nice? What? What's nice? Chapter two. Uh-huh. We got back into story. We, we oh, have, yeah. We haven't Deuteronomy, been in, like, story, story for Yeah, a while. Deuteronomy was pretty great, but it was more like... Uh, a confessional with Moses mm-hmm. and he was telling us great things but now it's kind of nice to get back into story mm-hmm. so right away Joshua's like we've got to take Jericho yeah eight miles from the Jordan it's also uh, like all the fjords and the the fresh water tributaries is controlled water. by uh, Jericho this is a major city so we got to get it mm-hmm. but I liked what you were we were talking earlier and you pointed out how Joshua <laughs> decides to spy out the land yeah, and he only sends instead of sending twelve, he just sends the two. He just sends the two, and I'm, I'm pretty sure if my memory recalls, but we'll find out later if I'm wrong, uh, that the two guys he sends are from Judah and Ephraim, which were from the same tribes that Caleb and Joshua are from. So right. it's like I'm just gonna send the two guys that I can trust and know are gonna because previously, give the good if you report. remember, the ten came back and were scared, and two yeah. were good. Yeah, it is funny. And I bet all of, this is, again, my sanctified imagination. They were all like, you know what? We don't need to, we don't want to risk sending our guys. Yeah. Let's send your guys. And all we need is two. All oh, you need is I'm the witness sure, of two. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it was Joshua picking his favorite and Caleb picking his. And, and everyone agreed, like, though. Yeah, and going like, this is what we're going to do. It's like, Ruben, do you want to send anybody? Nah, don't. We don't. We're cool. Just, yeah. we trust you guys. Yeah. You did it right the first time and we screwed you up. Yeah. So he sends in two. And this is what's so remarkable is he goes, uh, they, they go into um, Rahab's situation. Yeah. So she's like a prostitute and we don't know much, you know. Yeah, we, 
but it's the, like a tavern. It could yeah. be like a tavern, like a pub. Uh, the idea is this: it's like a common house, like a place where a public place where you might go. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's probably temple prostitution. And again, mm-hmm. it's different. It's a well, little different than it prob- we- Well, it probably is because her name's Rahab, which is the Chaos Serpent. So she's obviously been dedicated to some things. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. So they, they're going to, to the Chaos Serpent's house, which is nuts. But she obviously doesn't feel too much allegiance to the king of Jericho. She just no. tells. She tells them everything. So she's probably, my guess is, that she's um, been in the margins of society there, too. Oh, totally. So it's not like she's benefiting from their reign and rule. But they know that um, they sent out, Jericho being they, like the leadership, knows that some spies have come from uh, Israel. From Israel, And so they sent it out. She, they sent out like a warning, like, hey, and they probably came to your place. Mm-hmm. So are they in there? Mm-hmm. And this is where we get all our good information. She says, you know, our hearts are all melting. Yeah. Because of what happened 40 years ago. How we look to Egypt as like the protector of this area. Their gods are the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And they protect us. And that's where we would go in time of famine, in time of pain, anything. And you destroyed them. So we're scared of you mm-hmm. these 40 years. Yeah. And we've and been... then we heard about what you did to the Amorites a couple of years ago. Yes. And that's terrified us. Because the Amorites were scary. Yeah. And so she knows. And then I think it's in verse 11. She straight up just confesses. Yeah, she goes... Um, our hearts are, let's see, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord, your God, he is God in heavens above and on earth beneath. That's just a confession. So she's basically, and it reminded me of the kind of people Jesus talked to, like kind of dismissed women and they have faith. And so here Rahab exhibits this great faith in their God. She confesses it. Then she hides them. Yeah. And she says, uh, now here's what you need to do. Hide here. Um, they say to her, okay, here's the deal. She's like, will you save me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the deal. Put this red, get a red cord, put it over your window, because her house is in the wall. There's yeah. all sorts of archaeological stuff. It's pretty cool. We'll know where that red cord is, mm-hmm. and everybody who's in your house will be saved. Right. But if you tell on us, or you turn us in, or you don't keep your word, then... This is void. Mm-hmm. This won't work. She says, okay. She has great faith. And then um, I think that's where the story ends today, right? Yeah, they, they, they go back to... They report. So what they report is... Uh, God's given us the land. They're it. all terrified of us. Right. Which is what we were saying. Like, for 40 years, people had... They were scared. And for 40 years, instead of turning in faith, like mm-hmm. Rahab, they decided they're going to fight. Yeah. So it's fear or faith. She, in her fear, turns towards faith. Now, I know people are worried about it. She lies to them. But um, this isn't like an ethical, you know, things during war are, di- are, are different. It's not like a lesson on ethics. But I will say when people are demanding truth from you and they have only evil in mind, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be an accomplice in murder. So, yeah, I don't think you owe. Yeah. Because, again. You don't owe the truth to someone who's evil. Yeah. Like, Jesus wouldn't answer people when they ask, who do you say that you are? Mm-hmm. He's like, who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. Things like that. But that's not the real deal here. What the real deal is, I see the spies tell her, 
set up a little makeshift Passover. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's a makeshift Passover. So you don't have a lamb. You don't have blood. We're not doing it like that. But put a red cord, which is like putting blood on your door, and all the people in the door will live past the angel of death. Only this time, it's Israel will be the angel of death. The angel of death for people who do not trust and turn to the living God. I know. And so she experiences like this little Passover. And again, it's like by faith, just like they did in Egypt. Mm -hmm. It was by faith that this is true. And I've never connected it to that. I've never heard anybody say that, but that's... Yeah, reading it now, I was like, oh, that's totally what's happening. Just even the image. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's super familiar. And because you kind of think like, what gave these guys the confidence? Because they're just kind of like maybe leaders of some of these tribes. They're not... And they're hiding in flax. They're like yeah. hiding. It's so like, like what they're... gave them the confidence to like tell her what to do and how right. to be saved? And it's like, oh, because they've done the Passover a couple times and they know what it looks like. And when you go back to tell your people, hey, we're going to save this, uh, this Canaanite lady and we use the idea of Passover, everyone goes, oh, cool. That's how we were all saved too. Oh, yeah. All right. So that like, makes we're, sense. We're on the That's, same page. Yeah. Whereas if you said, oh, I got this Canaanite lady... How can we trust her? She's setting you up. Maybe she's a spy. You know, you'd be paranoid, mm-hmm. but you're going to walk through the Passover. Then uh, you can trust it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So, woo! Old I'd Testament. Say, I'd say, uh, so Joshua, it's all about going from fear to faith. Yeah. Mm. Man, that's book seven. Have we finished seven books now? The first five of the Old Testament. Oh, no, no. We finished Job, too. Oh, yeah. Six. Yeah, so six in the Old Testament, two in the New. Man, we're doing it. We're doing it, Peter. All right, let's go to our New Testament reading for today. Our New Testament reading for today is Luke chapter 20, verse 27 through chapter 21. So, chapter 20, verse 27, where do we begin? good... Oh, yes, yes, yes. So Jesus has been in the temple and he's totally using his authority to clean it out and teach and preach. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, anyone is trying to trick him into saying something that they can use against him. And so we've had the Pharisees, we've had the scribes and the chief priests all swing and miss. And now we got the Sadducees stepping up and being like, all right, let's pose a resurrection riddle. And we've done this one in the mm-hmm. other two. This is, so the riddle, if you remember, is they hate the idea of resurrection. Mm-hmm. They think it's a joke. And so they say, look, here's, it's such a joke that what happens to the lady who follows the law and her husband dies, so she marries her brother, and then he dies, marries another brother, yeah. and then he dies. Seven times they do a ridiculous scenario. Mm-hmm. And then they asked Jesus to uh, answer that. So in the resurrection, whose wife will the woman be? For seven had her as wife. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, that's where Jesus breaks down, like, I know you guys don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. But here's, and we'll just cut to it. Here's my big, my big thing. The dead are raised. Even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not the God of the dead, but the, of the living, for all live to him. Yeah. So he uses a Pentateuch yeah. from the first five books, right? Exodus. 
to say, why did Moses say that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive? God is the God of them. Mm-hmm. Not if they're dead. He's not God of something that's dead anymore. It's gone. He doesn't have to be their God. Yeah. And so um, they no longer dared to ask him any questions. And then I love in this one, I think it's only here in Luke, where the scribes are like, oh, man, you, you did that really well. Yeah, you've spoken well. <laughs> you've spoken well. We, we agree with you, That's Jesus. That's a good point. Oh, man, it's so good. And then Jesus has to be like, no, you're not siding with me. And slams them. Like, you think, like, oh, maybe Jesus gets some allies here. He's like, no, he understands who these guys are, too. Right. And slams them and says... Uh, About David. Yeah, he then uses David and the Psalms, which is something that they would use. They would use the Psalms? Um, Yeah, and he's kind of like, how would David say... um, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And so he's like even pro- like trying to put to them, like, you still don't believe that I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. So don't try to like gain favor with me or pretend like we're on the same side here. Yeah. Well, and then he solidifies that. So he confuses them too and says, look, David's calling me Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not just the son of David. I'm right. the son of man. I'm the son of God. But then he goes after them. Jesus goes after them even more. And he says, in the hearing of all the people, he said, beware of the scribes, you know, and how they walk around like people of honor, but really they're devouring widows, houses, and making long prayers. And he goes, they will receive greater condemnation. So then he turns it by the end of it to say, you guys are just learning this. And you're acting like, oh, good point. You spoke well. But you're pretending to have all the answers and you're lording it over people and hurting them. You will be judged greater. Mm-hmm. Which is might give people comfort to know that false teachers and people who are leading people astray on purpose, especially, that there is um, there's extra there's extra for that. Yeah. <laughs> there's I mean, uh, that won't be taken lightly by God. Right. Then he flips it, right? So mm-hmm. he's showing now, he's showing versus the Sadducees and these people who abuse. Now we'll show you who's the greatest in the kingdom. And he uh, often and consistently goes to a widow. Yeah. And sh- they look, they say, look at that lady. She's bringing a little penance, mm-hmm. you know, a, a percentage of a penny and giving it. Yeah. And he says, uh, this is... Yeah, he doesn't say who gave more. He just says, look, this poor widow has put more than all of them. So more than all the Sadducees because she has contributed out of her poverty. You know, they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty all that she had to live on. So the idea is it's not how much you give. It's actually how, it's not how much you give in comparison to anybody else. It's giving to God out of your abundance might be easier. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can spare 10%. But when all you have is five cents or two cents and you give one cent, that means more. That's more of an investment because that's right. a faith thing. That's a you're God trusting yeah. God to provide for you. It's hard for us to hear today because, you know, we want to be the best Christians mm-hmm. and we play it like a game. Mm-hmm. Well, how much do I have to give to be the best? Oh, you, for, you need to recognize you're not the best. But yeah, if you want to play that game, be like this widow. Give everything. Right. Now you go away sad and you have an opportunity to repent and say, oh, God, forgive me. 
and then be restored or just go away in your own strength. And, um, <laughs> go away know. in your own strength. I like that. <laughs> well, then it turns. It makes a real turn here in 21. I mean, now it goes to kind of the end times. Like the yeah, so the, chapter the, 21. The setting is still like they're at the temple. So yeah. they're seeing all these things, dealing, having all these conversations while they're at this temple. And again, the temple at this point is considered one of the great wonders of the world. Herod had spent a lot of time and a lot of money rebuilding it and making it an amazing structure. And so as they're standing there, some of his disciples and people with them are like pointing out to Jesus, like, look how great this place is. Like, this is so good. And then Jesus always has to like flip it on them and be like, yeah, this isn't going to be around much longer. Well, I'm starting to think the disciples are looking at it going, I can't wait to move into that with you. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it is an eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. I mean, it's 40 feet high, marble pillars, you know, like. And so he's like, yeah, you don't want to invest in this. <laughs> um, this is that mountain that's going to be moved. And, and people will come saying that they are me, they are God. Don't trust them. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are going to happen. And. He foretells then the temple destruction. He he foretells then the next section about persecution, mm-hmm. like um, about wars and all these the great earthquakes and things that will happen. But before all that happens, you will be persecuted. Right. And and then he slips in something that happens later. We see where it's um, you're going to be turned in by your parents. You're going to be um, some of you will be killed, but. When you go before leaders, when you go before people, you won't have to prepare what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will fill you and will lead you into saying what you need to say. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I think that's... Isn't that where he says it? Yep. Yeah, he says it uh, in 14. Uh, he actually says, I love how he says it. He says, settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. That's what I liked about it, was that you'll be able to give an answer where they can do nothing. Yeah. Which I think is your experience knowing Jesus. No one can say anything. All I know is I was blind, now I see. Yeah. Shut up. Mm -hmm. I mean, what can you see? Nuh-uh. Well, I can see you now. I couldn't see for years. Now I see. Mm -hmm. And so the Holy Spirit leads us into that. And so there's so temple destruction, then persecution, and then finally he goes, uh, he foretells the destruction of Jerusalem itself. Mm-hmm. That um, you're going to be sieged. And this really is a kind of a prophecy of what Rome does mm-hmm. in yeah. 70 AD. 70 AD, yeah, totally. And, um, and I don't know, is there anything else to say about that? Like th- those sections I mean, me so seem- this section can get a little confusing, but he, because he... He's kind of mixing some things here, but he is telling like of like the immediate signs because again he's trying to tell his disciples like hey look like don't think that we're gonna be top dog and yeah. like running the place. I like, think that's why this whole section gets like that because it gets and cryptic. Like, and he's like no like it's gonna be hard. Right. It's gonna be confusing. Uh, don't try to like invest in the temple and Jerusalem like this place is gonna get wiped out in yeah in several years. Like, in a few years, like, this place is going to be gone. I can't even think of an example. And and then he's like, and and then in the meantime, you're still going to be waiting for me to return, and I'm not going to 
come soon, and people are going to be saying, like, I'm here, I'm here, but you'll know when I should come back. You know, it's almost like a guy, I was trying to think of an example, like, Matt, I'm going to give you my newspaper business. It's been a great, profitable newspaper business. And you're like, cool, you grew up, okay, but let's say it's like 1999 or 2000. But I have a friend who's told me about the internet, mm-hmm. and so I say to you, look, this newspaper's a cash cow, but don't get too excited. Make sure you diversify your life. Like, I don't know if this is going to last mm-hmm. forever. You laugh because you're like, newspapers are the future. And then, and then the internet is invented, and now newspapers are struggling to live. It's almost something like that where it's like you're becoming a millionaire, which is partly true. Like, right. man, I'm getting something that's great. But then the warning is like, but I know what's happening. Yeah. And I know what's going to happen. It's already started to him. Yeah. Like he's been, his life has been, he's been being persecuted for three years. They kind of haven't, not to that point, but he feels their hate. He feels their questions. He see, and that's not even being like God. That's just being human. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, they do not welcome me. Mm -hmm. And this temple is not going to stand because it's not built on or protected by God anymore. Right. And so you don't even want that. And so sell it while you can get out because it's coming. And mm-hmm. so that's a confusing message and it would be confusing to you going, but uh, wait, what are you saying? I'm <laughs> saying I would sell the newspaper right now because it's still wanted. Yeah. And you would say, no. Um, anyway, I just know that when Rome did finally uh, in AD 70, they sieged Jerusalem. Uh, the historians say they killed like a million people and mm-hmm. they took like 97 thousand away or something mm-hmm. like it was a mess yeah it was, a, it was pretty bad and so then jesus finishes like um i think finishes with there'll be signs do we read that we go all the way through chapter 21 yeah yeah he's like oh, yeah. he's like trying to tell him like just read the signs yeah people like like you can tell like when a fig tree is gonna produce fruit so oh, let's yeah. like read the sign of the time and like because he's like looking at the at like uh like even the Jewish sentiment towards Rome going like like this tensions are high like this is not going to last like this is not a lasting solution you guys got here right. and uh I'm not going to make it any better <laughs> well and in light of our um old testament reading he says like all these things are going to happen you're going to kind of notice the earth mm-hmm. and um, the nations But he says, um, for the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. Uh, And when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So I think I'm reading it now going, there's a time where Christ is coming in the glory of God. That cloud Mm -hmm. that comes over the temple and talks to the people is coming back with Christ. Right. And you'll know, hold your head up, Mm -hmm. keep, keep the faith, don't give up. But what's confusing is we always mix these kind of prophetic things now and not yet. Mm-hmm. And we always want it to be, oh, now. But some of it's not yet. And mm-hmm. obviously when Christ returns in the glory of God, it's a, we're still waiting for that. Right. And then he, he supports it with the fig tree and, and talks about how you can, you can know things are happening. And I think we can. We can see culture shift and things happening. And it doesn't always mean Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I think it means we can always hope. Hope that he does. And then he ends 21 with saying, watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Hmm. Hmm. 
Be ca- you know what I mean? Like, yeah, be check aware. yourself before yeah. you wreck yourself. That's right. Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So, I mean, um, and again, I think it goes back to the temple, or don't get so wrapped up in the beauty and the coolness and the, the things of this world. Enjoy them, but they are not where they are not the everlasting source of life. Mm-hmm. And so find life in the life giver. And then when he comes, just be ready at any time. He's coming. Right. And you'll be ready. So, again, I think there is like a fear not and have faith. I think today is sponsored by don't fear, but have faith. Yeah. And be strong and very courageous. Yeah, I like that. Be strong and courageous. All right. So today we're going to do... Our Psalm 49. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle with, to the music of a lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names, man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases, for when he dies he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we'll talk to you next time